Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, chocker with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Chur. Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa, hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Morena, good morning. Ke te pehe koutou, how are you all? Well, ke te tino pai. I am very good because I have a bunch of cool stuff to share with you today. I mean, I know you're all looking forward to the pony stuff and oh my goodness, there's a lot of pony stuff to come. Uh, the ponies kind of exploded this week. Um, so I'm really looking forward to you all hearing everything that happened um, in this piece of the pony puzzle as we play our way through Tales of Equestria, the Dragon's Bounty. Um, but before we get there, we've got a bunch of really cool call-ins um, and talking about the Nerds Adventure and I want to talk to you about a, cool, a couple of cool things about my Icewind Dale campaign and yeah, there is a lot to cover today. I'm very excited about all of it, so let's just launch into it by getting you started with a few call-ins. Hey Jules, in my <laughs> in my excitement, I forgot, I totally forgot to say Kiora Jules. I was going to say Kiora Jules, um, and I didn't, so my bad, uh, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my failed attempt at multiculturalism uh, I can barely even say it let alone enact it uh, yeah <laughs> look after yourself catch you later hi right, Jules how you doing um, I couldn't contain myself I'm listening to you talking about Death Trap Dungeon and fighting fantasy and thanks for the shout out and the acknowledgement of course but uh, way better than all that uh, I'm I'm just so happy that you've uh, found Death Trap Dungeon, one of my favourites. Real hardcore nostalgia for me. I used to uh, play that game with my dad. I've played it with my kids. We used to go on holiday, me and my dad, and uh, he worked away pretty, uh, quite a lot. And family holidays was a good quality time. And I think that the fighting fantasy books are a great two-player thing. And uh, I've carried that on with my own kids. And I, I'm just so pleased you've discovered it. And, uh, yeah, I hope you're doing well. Take care, and I'll catch you later. Colin from Spike Pit. Uh, Colin Green uh, of the awesomeness and of now teaching fame. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Clearly everybody heard you say Kia ora Jules first before... You said anything else. I mean, I mean, everybody heard it here on the podcast. You definitely said Kia ora Jules first. So you've got nothing to apologize, my friend. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the Fanning Fantasy books are amazing. In fact, I'm going into BD&D again where I bought that one um, this weekend. And I have been agonizing over which of the Fighting Fantasy books to buy next. Because they have... House of Hell, The Gates of Death, Creature of Havoc, Appointment with 
F-E-A-R, which we all know spells fear, but the fact that they've written it like that makes me feel like F-E-A-R is also a thing. Um, uh, the Shamutanti Hills, I don't know how you say that, the Shamutanti Hills, um, Island of the Lizard King and Forest of Doom. So if you hear this um, in within a few days, uh, hopefully you can ring and give me some recommendations or somebody else can and uh, tell me what's the good fighting fantasy books to play next because I'm very keen to give some more of them a go. Yeah, very keen. And they all look really cool and they've all been like re um covered to look really similar so that like all the, all their similar design and stuff but in completely different colors so i want a like colorful bookshelf i think it would look awesome anyway um the next call really does need a a r18 warning i feel like r18 is r16 that we do uh anything related to sex um they're calling in about my episode where I talk about New Zealand news, which I really should have also put a warning on. Um, so, and of course, um, it should not surprise you who this caller is, but I'm going to let it and we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> okay, so I was going to call in with this awesome conspiracy theory about 12s and New Zealand because that council member didn't pay the ticket for $12 and then... The road would save 12 minutes of travel time, but because the road took 103 years, it sounds like, because you mentioned 1919 and then it finished in 2022, that kind of blew my whole conspiracy theory because 103 is a prime number, so 12 doesn't go into it evenly at all. <laughs> so that ruined it, but those are awesome stories, though I do have to take umbrage with you for suggesting people should not have sex on their breaks. If you can have sex on your breaks with a consenting partner who is not somebody that you are cheating on your current partner with, do it. <laughs> Make work better. Anyway, awesome stuff. Peace out. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. Um, usually workplaces have a thing about, like, having sex on site. <laughs> Just saying. Or is that not a thing over in America? I mean, I, I guess the whole thing with Monica Lewinsky, right? It, everybody only had a problem because it was cheating. It wasn't really a problem because it was under the desk at the office, right? Like, I don't know. You Americans have got a skewed view of things. Um, make work better. Uh, I guess it would make work better. Um, well, less boring on your breaks, but I get hungry. I really appreciate my lunch breaks because I can eat. Uh, without food, I get grumpy. So food tends to be more important. <laughs> but thanks, Joey. Of course, that's Joey from Hindsightless, uh, the sporadic podcast where he talks about mostly role play, but sometimes other stuff because he gets sidetracked. Um, yeah. Speaking of Joey, uh, the next few call-ins are actually talking about our uh, first part of our Nerds RPG adventure. Um, if you missed all of that, um, Nerds the Candy 
put out uh, these special boxes, which had like a, 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 a conjoint venture with Dungeons and Dragons. And if you had the right boxes and you um, kept your receipts and stuff and you scanned the QR code on the back of the box and then sent them a picture of your receipt and stuff, you could download these adventures. And there's six um, one-on-one part uh, of adventures. And then the seventh adventure is all six of the um, adventurers uh, come together to play the final game to, I assume, beat the big boss. I haven't actually read that far, to be fair. I'm only reading the adventures um, as I need to run them and understand them. I don't want to get too far ahead because I run so many games that my brain could get full of information I don't need right now, and then one of my other games could suffer. So I'm trying to, like, space out that. So um, if you want to hear about what other people think about these one-shots, um then that's what these next few call-ins are about. So, yeah. How do they like it? Hey, Jules. Pink Phantom here. Just listened to your most recent episode with you and Joe. First of all, yes, a rogue equipped with a cloak and dagger. Yes, that's pretty obvious, but I still think it's clever. I just do. Second of all, if one of these adventures doesn't have one of these nerds, with their little hand feet, being a monk. Come on, that would be a missed opportunity. And finally, pink is a very stealthy color. I will have you know. I have gone many places and not been noticed. Oh. Uh, strike that last part. Bye! Awesome one-on-one game there, Jules. Love the the role-playing you guys did. And... Yeah, your slight break break in the world, you know, did pull me totally out of the game. But after about 20 more minutes, I was able to get back in. No, I'm kidding. It, it was fine. It was totally fine. Lots of fun. Really enjoy the energy you guys bring to it. And looking forward to the next episode. Thanks, Jace. Um, and thanks to the Pink Phantom, the mysterious, unseen, roguey pink phantom in the corner. You're right you know, um, but I don't think people don't notice you because they don't notice you, it's because you're so mysterious and stealthy that they don't notice you, uh, I don't know, like, pink blends quite well, um, I'm always looking for my slippers, and they're pink, and you think they'd stand out like a sore thumb, but nope, (laughs) um, so yeah, so that was the Pink Phantom of No Podcast. You'll correct me if that's wrong, but I didn't see one when I went looking. And Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thanks, Jess. Um, the next part of that nerdy adventure uh, comes out in a couple of days. And they'll probably be releasing um, sort of once a week-ish uh, ish, as long as I get editing time, um, I'm not really doing much editing on them, to be fair, I'm just kind of cutting them up, because they're kind of long, so that, um, you can enjoy them in little chunks, little bite-sized candy chunks, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that in the weekend, so right now it's, like, my Thursday, uh, so usually it comes out, like, a Saturday or a Sunday, so a few days away, um, yeah, in 
until Joey and I are done with them, I guess. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with the last adventure. Joey and I have already been talking about that. Does he feel like playing six characters all at once? Seems a bit intense. So we might have to enlist some help on that last one. But um, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk more about that as we get closer, I guess. Yeah, I'm really excited about playing them all. They're very fun. They're very well written. We've already played a couple of them through now. Um, and I have to say, I'm sorry, Pink Phantom, they missed a trick. There isn't a monk. There is uh, five more characters to um, discover. And you can place your bets as to what you think they might be. Uh, they have gone for pretty standard kind of D&D tropes, I guess. Um but no monk, which, yeah, they really did miss a trick on that one. Yeah. But thanks for your call-ins. Now let's get to the part that everybody's been waiting for. So some interesting stuff has come up recently in our Salts of Ghosts of Salt Marsh game. Salts of Ghost Marsh? I mean, Salts of Ghost Marsh should be an interesting campaign. But that's not what I mean. Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Because I can speak. Um... Recently, they got a whole lot of money uh, by completing an adventure for uh, Albrecht Drillian, who had lost his ship years and years and years ago. Oh, I should say Ghost Mars. Ghost Mars. Oh, my God. Um, Ghosts of so much spoilers ahead, because I'm not going to um, not talk about the campaign, um, because it's easier to talk about the campaign. So if you don't want to know things that happen on the campaign, then maybe skip ahead a few minutes because um, I don't want you to get messed up by this. So, but anyway, Albrecht Drillian lost his ship years and years and years ago. And um, it it doesn't really seem like too big of a deal until you realize that he had uh, cashed in his entire fortune into essentially bearer bonds, like just um, a, a promise of money. Uh, he he had left with one of the temples and basically they would pay on uh, citing these documents. And these documents had been stored in an incredibly magically safe safe. So uh, without a seal, without a lock, without any kind of ability to open it other than his own hand, essentially. So the contents of the safe were placed on this boat and he was sailing over to um, the islands to basically start up um, his spice and um, herbs and things trade at the heart of where these goods were coming from. And uh, he sent his um, contingent of ships over. This wasn't the only ship, but it was the only one carrying and safe and a storm hit and they lost contact with the ship. And then they could not find it. Um, what he did not know is that the ship had um, made it through the storm, worse for wear, like pretty damaged, and landed on a um, nearby island. And the island was not particularly friendly, in fact, incredibly hostile, and had attacked the ship, really screwed things up, killed pretty much all of the crew, um, had been taken over as like a place to live. Um, by some very unsavory type creatures and then had had um, taken sail again just kind of aimlessly drifting though because it didn't have any masts or sails so it's just like sailing around aimlessly in no real pattern which is why eventually somebody spotted it 
saw the name on the side of it put the kind of two and two together and went oh my goodness it's actually here and so Aubrey when you meet him is putting together um you know the last of his resources because he really doesn't have any he's been struggling on the bones of his butt um while he tries to find this ship to restore his fortune to himself um to to put together you know a party to go hunt for the ship right so he's got a captain and a crew but the captain does not want to set foot on this ship you know it considers it cursed and it's got all sorts of bad rumors about you know what could be on there and let's face it a ship sailing by itself after it's been missing for years and years prime candidate for ghost stories you know so captain doesn't want to set foot on the ship so he's looking for a likely group of adventurers that he can promise money to you know because if they find the safe they restore his fortune so then he has money to pay them he actually gives them a tenth a, a tenth of what it's worth and it's worth a hundred thousand gold in that safe so he's offering them ten thousand to return um his fortune to him which is big money for adventurers right so you know they went it was very difficult it's it's full of all sorts of monsters spiders etiquette spider swarms but also gas in the hole more demons in a front room um a crazy half-orc druid who is um kind of trapped there but also looking after spiders he's got his pet face spider you know there's a lot going on on the ship so um they made it through they um, rescued the safe, which um, as soon as you put a hand on, uh, this giant ancient octopus attacks. And you can't even attack the octopus, really. It's, it's, it's unfathomably large. And you can do things like you can hit the tentacles and um, you can get a reprieve from the tentacles hitting the ship because they, they hit the ship every turn. You have to roll deck saves to see if you can hold your feet every turn um otherwise you go down with bludgeoning damage you know it's it's a crazy amount of stuff going on plus this chest is really heavy it usually takes two characters to um work together to haul it using their actions to do so while any creature they haven't killed already is fleeing the ship um and also um working their way through those creatures because some of them are hungry more demons are always hungry um and some of them are not spiders are just trying to get out of the water as this boat is sinking so you know there's a lot going on anyway so they get to back to salt marsh they are given the money because um Aubrey Drillian is a man of his word um very honest trading man and so he gives them the money but he gives them it in paper right so they have to cash this in with the temple now here's the problem with the um, module it's not really a problem so much as there's lots of open space for dms to um, get creative but some things i'm like oh god i wish you just tell me how this works because i was like i don't know how they're cashing it in with a temple how how does this work so i had to create like a whole thing for it so um, i researched a little bit and i found that joaquin is uh, a goddess of merchants and also illicit trade back in um uh, the time where um, Greyhawk kind of was operating ish I think and so I decided that um, this this temple was um, to the the goddess Joaquin it's like a money temple you know it was like a fancy ass um, place of marbles and and floor mosaics and counters with 
very austere people sitting behind them um, in a big old safe with, you know, a big old turny door, um, but loads of magic in the air, you know, um, like there would be contracts to sign with magic pens that would only register like you and your authority and stuff. And you could put um, fingerprints on stuff to seal seals and, um, you know, money could be passed um in this manner like promise notes essentially that people could cash in with the bank because your seal was on it so the bank would recognize that so they would give people the money um based on your notes so i essentially yes gave my group a checkbook <laughs> essentially they got a little pad of these notes that they can use to issue to various vendors and things around town um and make purchases and honestly smartest thing i've ever done because now they don't have to worry about money. Um, purchases around town become very simple. They can just rip off this piece of paper and, and they could go into the temple. Plus, I made um, Jacob Jinglemeyer, um, the manager, very suited man with a pencil moustache, very skinny, um, that uh, works there. And Simon, the adventure accounts expert, um, <laughs> who talks to them about life insurance and um, and insuring their adventures uh, for uh, claims should their gear all break and stuff. Um, it was it was a very fun um, session. Who knew that visiting the bank was going to be so much fun? So yeah, uh, yeah, that's what that's what I've done. <laughs> with money i'd love to hear about what you've done with money um and see if it was smarter than what i did but yeah that's that's a thing um and also my group wish to ask you all a question because i have no idea and i know they're going to put it to me um in an adventure it's one of those ones where it's like the dm can make a call about this kind of thing but like i'm sure there's rules somewhere buried in the back of D about this but um if uh, my my druid tends to turn into a giant octopus quite helpful in a sea-based campaign quite a lot and as you know with the druids you can either absorb your gear inside you or you can kind of have it like your um your animal form is sort of wearing it um there's lots of freedom around that and how that looks and expresses and stuff but if an octopus was wielding a shield that they have does it add to the octopus's AC? This is a question that my group wished to put to you. Um, I'd love to hear your answers on this. So, yeah, call it about octopuses wearing shields. Um, yep, fun times. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to hear next, but I'm sure it'll be exciting. Uh, as exciting as this, banks and octopus shields. Okay, bye. Nope. Sorry to break your uh, hopes there. We're not going into ponies. We're going into um, a little bit about talking about uh, one of my Ghosts of Saltmarsh campaigns. So um, I forgot this was in here because I'm trying to do a joey and put little pieces together when I have time and then put it all together seamlessly uh, at the end. And I forgot what I was doing. So <laughs> here's past Julia talking about uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Take it away, Pastrilia. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? My little pony, my little pony, friendship is magic. Okay, so we're back with Tales of Equestria. 
a My Little Pony RPG, the starter adventure, A Dragon's Bounty. We're playing through, uh, we're uh, a few kind of choices down um, into the adventure. Things are starting to get a little more serious now, although it didn't really feel like it last choice, did it? I know... <laughs> Judging by the call-ins, people were like, what? Of course we're doing a thing. Um, because, it, again, this um, without spoiling what the choice is going to be, um, the calls were unanimous again. I'll let them tell you a little bit about why it seems so obvious um, as to what the choice needs to be. Um, and uh, and then we'll get on with the adventure because yeah I thought I thought this one um unless you just didn't want to adventure maybe I don't know uh was pretty easy so um I'll let our our amazing call-ins um from from Carl GMologist uh Jace from Nerds RPG Variety Cast um from Joey of Hindsightless and did I get everybody nope uh, and from um, the Pink Phantom as well. We also have a, a vote from um, Dusty, again, um, via Discord, who said, uh, head up to the lair, definitely head up to the lair. So um, they were going to call in, but they didn't. Dusty, what are you up to uh, next week? Next week, Dusty. Um, all right. So here we go. Our call-ins. And then into the adventure with what their votes say. Bye. Hey, Jules. I think we want to finish the mission and climb up into the mountain, find the lair, find out what we learned, to find out what we learned, if what we learned in the library is true, and find the solution to help calm Cinder and give Twilight Sparkle and the others, uh, well... To make their stalling of the dragon not be in vain. So let's be little hero ponies and continue the mission. Go up into the mountains and find the lair. Hey Jules, the Pink Phantom here. I think the ponies should definitely sneak into the lair and see if they can figure out what's wrong with the dragon. I, it could just be that the dragon is in distress and, and that's information that Twilight Sparkle and the other legends need. Hey Jules, Jason here. I think that Twilight probably has this, but we should definitely help. So I vote for the ponies to go up the mountain to look for the lair. Yo Jules, so here's my pony vote. First I gotta say, it's amazing to hear all the people voting on this. Calling in, emailing you, posting on Discord. That is friggin' awesome. Mad props to everybody out there who's cast their vote. You all are amazing people. Uh, so at first I thought this was going to be a really tough choice when I was listening to the episode. I thought the choice was going to be between going up the mountain while the dragon was distracted or helping Princess Twilight Sparkles. Then I, I was really conflicted. But then when the choice became go up the mountain while the dragon's distracted or go back to town... Yeah, I, we got to go up the mountain. The dragon's distracted, right? Up the mountain we go. Again, the votes have spoken. You heard it. Ready or not, we're headed into the dragon's lair. Or at least where we think the dragon's lair is. 
From the edge of Van Hoover, the unicorn range begins to rise. At first, the landscape is low, rolling and open. The foothills gradually become steeper until a dramatic, sharp climb stretches up into the mountains proper. The high peaks of the Unicorn Range are capped with white snow almost the whole year round, and the mountainsides are made up of dark blues and greys, dotted with rock outcroppings that jut out at sharp angles. The dragon is nearby. You hear it often, the ground-shaking roar and heavy wing beats, but you can't see it. Through the valleys, the sounds of the beast echo, as if it's coming from all directions at once. Every now and then you think you also hear the sounds of ponies yelling to one another. You assume it must be Princess Twilight and her friends. At the very least, this means the dragon is not in his lair right now. You want to seize the opportunity, so decide to push forward, climbing up the slope towards the tallest mountain peak where the dragon's lair surely must be. Time passes. You notice for every step you take, the slope becomes steeper. You feel that burn in your legs, but you manage to keep pushing forward. Not knowing how long the dragon will be away from its lair, you want to get in and out as quickly as possible. There's sure to be some useful information or clues you can find in its lair. One step after the other, you climb higher and higher. Leading up from the lower foothills is an old dirt path, which makes the journey slightly easier. The path winds back on itself like a snake as it ascends, curving up and jutting across the natural slope of the mountain. You follow the path, which seems to be the easiest way up the mountain, but to your dismay, it eventually begins to taper and fade, and it's not long before the path disappears completely. It seems as though not many ponies travel this high up the mountain. Without the path, your progress is slower, but you see something curious in a rock face ahead what looks like a small cave entrance. Perhaps this will lead to the lair. You need to climb up a very steep part of the slope to reach it, which involves climbing to a number of uneven ledges. If you have the rope, you can use it and automatically succeed at this test. (laughs) Otherwise, it's a body test. Difficulty of three to climb up this rock face. Okay, well, ponies, we didn't go to the market and we didn't buy any rope. So that is not us. We're looking at a body test. Although, Thrilly Philly is a Pegasus. And Pegasus can fly. And so Thrilly Philly is able to roll their fly talent die as well as their body trait on this test. So that's that's some good news. So we have um, a body dice of a d6 and a fly talent dice of a d6. And basically it means not that they get to add that twice or anything, but it's sort of like rolling with advantage. You know, like you can roll both dice and take the highest one. So Thrilly Philly, does she get up the ledge? Got a five on one. And, oh God, I've dropped my dice. Okay. Uh, And a five on the other one, apparently. Apparently I'm rolling five. So Thrilly Philly absolutely makes it up carefully her way up the rock face, just sort of flapping beside it. Um, She's not used to her wings, so she's not the best at flying. Not like um, Rainbow Dash uh, is able to just zip around everywhere. She's sort of slow and clunky, but she makes it up the up the top and she's standing on 
um, in front of this cave entrance. So let's see um, how Strong Oak does. Okay, Strong Oak. So Strong Oak just has to roll a body dice, but Strong Oak does have a D8 for a difficulty 3. So this is probably fine. Go, Strong Oak. Yep, 5. Strong Oak makes it up kind of clambering their way up the um, rock face and rocks slipping everywhere, but manages to do it fine. And last but not least is Firebrand. Firebrand has a D4 on a body dice. Firebrand's not exactly strong, just very determined. Um, so she kind of gets her stuff together, or he, I don't know, uh, whatever Joey's playing Firebrand as, um, gets their, you know, um, head together and Climbs this rock face and gets a four. Well, brand firebrand. Okay, so everybody makes it up the rock face, which is great because uh, otherwise stamina points are definitely coming off if you fall. So, um, cool. Reaching the top of the series of ledges, you arrive in front of the cave opening. Much like the path lower down, it doesn't appear to be in regular use. It looks natural rather than pony made and seems to lead further into the mountain rather than upwards. You decide to take the chance that it'll lead closer to the dragon's lair and cross the threshold. The dark interior makes it difficult to see, but pushing onward, you eventually catch a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel, and we're being told to turn and continue on section 79, so we don't have a choice yet. So, okay, here we go. Section 79. Peering forward through the tunnel, you stop for a moment to catch your breath. As you consider your next move, your thoughts are interrupted by a terrifying sound. The beating of colossal wings and the roar of an angry dragon. It's very close by. It must have returned to the lair while you were climbing. You freeze momentarily, listening and waiting, trying to tell where it is. So from this point on, you will have to avoid the dragon as it moves around the lair. There is a poster, um, which I will post in the Patreon um, for public uh, look. And um, I will probably make the art of this episode as well, because this is looking like a long one, ponies. Um, so we at this point, um, if you were playing the game in person, you would actually unfold the map for the very first time in front of your players. And every time you are asked to roll on the dragon table as the pony master, you roll a d6 to determine where the dragon moves and then place the little dragon token on the corresponding area of the map. And if the ponies ever arrive in the same area as the dragon token, then you have to face and escape the dragon, which is very exciting. So we're going to have to map where our dragon ends up each time you uh, ponies choose to move places. So, and I've got a little random table here, which is very cute. And then it says, the sounds of the dragon become harder to hear and you wonder if it has moved away once again. For now, you decide to press forward through the tunnel and into the lair of the dragon. And we've got another to continue turn. So we're turning to pay it to section 56 now. Okay. All right. Well, this is a very long pony section. Oh, what? A, it's like bonus pony episodes. We've entered the dragon's lair and obviously entered the main piece of the adventure. You've taken the bait um, and we're moving on, which is very exciting. 
Um, I'm glad we didn't head back to town. Uh, as exciting as helping um, the pony people back in, in Harmony uh, might have been, I feel like this is going to be exciting. So you have entered Area 1, the Caldera, part of the Red Dragon's Lair. Uh, let's see where our dragon is as we move into this. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. I'm only going to tell you... Um, if the dragon lions in the same section and this time it doesn't um so that we can keep what areas are in this lair a secret a surprise until you enter them so we are lucky right now the dragon is not where we are so it has moved away you enter an open area at the heart of the mountain it's a bowl-shaped crater sheltered on all sides by natural stone walls rising high above you on the south side of the crater, the stone wall rises up onto a higher slope. This continues up to the peak of the mountain, which is still a fair way above where you are now. With the curved walls and the overlooking mountain peak, this bowl is currently a quiet and peaceful area. Despite the height of the sheltered bowl, it's covered with green. It's much more lush with plants than what you expect of a dragon's lair. The sky above you is bright, and though you can hear the rushing mountain winds above, the walls around the crater keep it almost completely free of the chill. The floor of the crater is gently sloped from a raised area to a south down to a lower flat portion on the north side, pastel green grass covering most of the rock. You slowly make your way into the middle of the crater, fully aware that you are trespassing in a very angry dragon's home. Despite this, something about your surroundings makes you feel at ease. A small number of healthy-looking shrubberies dot the space, and on the eastern edge there is even an old pale tree leaning over with age over a still pool of clear water. Despite the peaceful atmosphere, you do see evidence of the dragon making its home here. On the northeastern edge near the wall is an area of blackened, scorched grass. You guess that the marks indicate the dragon's favourite napping spot. Luckily for you, there is nothing but scorch marks there at the moment. You quickly notice that there are a number of exits from this crater, which presumably lead to other parts of the dragon's lair. To the south is a series of rough steps, really no more than narrow ledges, that lead up even higher to the very peak of the mountain. Looking up, you see a natural platform of some kind near the top, a plateau. Listening for a moment, you hear what sounds like distant screeching coming from high above, like a bird call of some sort. To the west, near the tunnel you first entered through, is a narrow opening which appears to lead to another open chamber. It's like a small pocket room to the main crater. It's difficult to see what's beyond the opening because a long trail of white steam is hanging around the entrance. And set into the north wall of the crater is another opening. It's obviously been constructed artificially by ponies or some creature. There are old wooden beams supporting the tunnel and quite a few metal bindings holding the beams together. You guess that it is a mine shaft or something very similar. With everything seemingly quiet in the caldera, you decide to investigate one of these three exits, hoping to find something useful. So, if you climb upwards to the plateau, we're headed to 25. 
If you decide to follow the trail of steam, we're headed to two. And if you head into the mine shaft, we're headed to 33. All right, ponies, you've got three choices. I'm very excited to see how this is going to go. So far, you have tended to go with a pretty clear majority, but this might be trickier. There's there's likely to be a split vote. Look, three for all. Shh, shh, three for all. Uh, for some reason, my car decides to turn on the radio randomly. Um just by itself when it's been sitting for a while with the keys in it. Um, it's like, would you like to hear the radio in the middle of everything I'm doing? And I was just listening to Three for All Keep Off the Borderlands with his Orbital Blues episode. So um, the car decided that I wanted to listen to that some more. Um, <laughs> anyway, what were we doing? Okay, um, we were... Um, we were talking about our choices. So very excited to see what you might choose. The plateau, the trail of steam, or the mine shaft. What's it going to be? Can't wait for your call-ins. Bye. Okay, and it's time to get out of here, as uh, somebody <laughs> very smart I know says. Um because that is everything I want to say today. Otherwise, this episode is going to go on and on and on forever. There was so much ponies. There were so many awesome call-ins. Um, thank you to everybody who um, made an effort and and um, pushed that button and, and called in. We've got um, Pink Phantom, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Carl from GMologist Presents. Joey from Hindsightless. I'm going to forget people now because I'm not actually looking at it, um, which is a bit of a problem. Oh, uh, Colin from Spike Pit. Um, and oh my goodness, that'll have to do because I'm not looking at my list. I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry if I missed you. Um, my memory is trash actual trash um thank you to my gems uh james jason barry lear and ezekiel kp and joey who i only don't forget because uh they're exactly the same all the time because you guys are amazing um but i do have somebody to add to the list today uh we have a new patreon so i want to thank dusty for joining the gems um thank you to dusty dusty has been um also voting along with the pony play um is a big uh feet of Eisen fan is a big you know kiwi um actual play podcast fan is very supportive of us in the podcasting scene um and uh i played some minecraft uh while chatting too last night actually um really enjoying ourselves just you know chilling out uh, building some stuff, farming some stuff, mining some stuff, just just having a good time, looking for cows, making them breed, you know, just normal Minecraft stuff. Um, so big shout out, gushy, heartfelt thanks to um, Dusty for supporting uh, Jules from NZ and help making it easier for me to continue doing cool things. So um, you're awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you're enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on the platform of your choice or tell your friends or just play it in the car while somebody else is listening. (laughs) 
it all helps. Um, you can find me all over Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, so just search for Jules from NZ most places and hopefully it comes up. And I want you to have a nice weekend, which is kia pai tora whakata. Yeah, kia pai tora whakata. Have a nice weekend. And I also want you to noho oramai, which is stay well, you know, look after yourself. It's hard enough out there. So, inohora, ka kite ano, aroha nui. Goodbye. I'll see you again soon. Love you lots. Mwah. Bye.